Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Full Ride here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, the home of the one and O Tennessee Volunteers basketball team as they march towards a final four appearance uh, i know the dogs struggled with whoever their first opponent was basketball season hey it's at, at an everything school it's everything all the time uh, you know this macarena um enough. down there in it says a lot about your focus hey my focus is i can i'm a human being i am a i'm a complicated guy i can i can watch and uh, be emotionally invested in all sorts of uh tennessee sports and atlanta sports as uh, things are all going on at once, sir. Don't, uh, hey, don't, don't fret about me. I, I know what I'm doing up here. Fair enough. Well, I apologize for interrupting your intro. No, you're good. So. You're, you interrupted. You're here. I was just going to say the only thing I had left in the intro was that Matt Green's here. Matt, how are you? Yes, sir. It is, uh, it's good to be back this week. Week 11, sir. Season mm. has absolutely flown by, but, uh, got a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. My Tennessee Volunteers did not make this week's pick 'em, being 20 point favorites at home for Senior Day against Mizzou at noon. Um, coming off the heels of a big Eli Drinkwitz uh, extension for a job well done, uh, commitment to 500 football. Uh, we respect it uh, in Columbia, mm, Missouri. Taking shots. I mean, just a weird extension. I, I don't understand that one. That's a head scratcher, um, I think, for sure. But it's also what, like a two year extension through like, was it 2027? Sounds right. I want to say it's like, it feels kind of like a, you don't want to be a coach to be like a lame duck. I don't feel like you ever want a coach to get like to his last year or two of his contract. So I don't know if it's, I mean, I, I didn't see the dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you have that handy, but um, I don't know. He's, he's doing fine, I guess. It's Missouri. It's like, I'm not sure what the expectations are. Was this year three? Yeah, because he's fifteen and seventeen. I think there was some hot seat whispers at some point. He'll make seven million in twenty twenty in twenty twenty seven. It it's just it goes up a little bit each year. It looks like seven million at Missouri. I, Are you that's serious? what I'm saying. I don't. He's making four now. Wow. Um, I don't know. It's a lot of money yeah, in college football. Four and five right now. I feel like best absolute best case scenario is a. Uh, is a six and six, and I think Arkansas is a is a big if. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, seven million dollars. I mean, that's what four years from now. I get right, they accounting for inflation, I guess here. Um, I don't know, but uh, for like probably not going to a bowl game year three. Um, yeah, that is interesting. Where are they at right now? They're four and five. Okay, and you got Tennessee this weekend, and then they got what, Arkansas? New Mexico State, and then Arkansas. Yeah, they're not getting the bowl game. Uh, That's going to be tough. That's Yeah, that's not happening. They're not winning two or three here down the stretch. Um, Unless Arkansas really implodes. I guess you can throw Arkansas, but I don't know. Yeah, Arkansas hasn't looked good either, but um, yeah, so that's kind of a toss-up. But I believe it is at, uh, at Missouri. I kind of want to get them to a bowl, though, because if they yes. do, I think I saw a bowl projection for them last week. Uh, it put Kansas versus Mizzou. So we get that rematch in a bowl game. That'd be fun if you were able to. That would be good. Right? Like, get them in there. Arkansas-Missouri is a low-key rivalry. I've started to like this one in recent years. What do they call it? They call it some kind of border war thing. They got the mm. the line. 
that they mm-hmm. uh, they put in the trophy. I feel like it was kind of a cool thing. And it's always that uh, it's usually that Friday um, after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the same year, the twenty fifth. So yeah, it's a uh, it's always a good one. Um, it's becoming a good one. College football playoff committee unveiled their latest rankings. Matt Green, Tennessee being the biggest fall from one to five. I guess I shouldn't say it. Clemson's the biggest fall going from four to ten. Um, really, really huge um, drop for the Tigers um, this week. So it goes one, Georgia, two, Ohio State, three, Michigan, four, TCU, five, Tennessee, six, Oregon, seven, LSU, eight, USC, nine, Alabama, 10 Clemson Matt Green uh what did you make of week two of the committee's rankings well it's interesting I think the biggest thing that jumps out at you is TCU over Tennessee uh, just because of like we're trying to get some kind of logic from the committee right like we're trying to okay you guys going with the resume um logic you going with the eye test you know you going with I don't know some sort of some sort of combination and so for last week tcu's resume is eight and oh alabama's sitting there at seven and one with their best win being what to that point like what was alabama's one point win at texas with their starting quarterback out like maybe arkansas they beat big like there's Mississippi State, they beat big, maybe that's their best win. Like Alabama has like a very, very minimal resume. Like not you just know Alabama's good, so we're gonna rank them pretty high, but their their resume did not justify being ahead of TCU last week. And so Tennessee over here was number one last week. Obviously they lost, got beat badly, but by the number one team in the country. And their resume is until until Georgia's win, the best in college football. So it's like you have these wins over Alabama, they win over LSU, even I mean whatever we feel like Kentucky. They are ranked huge win over Kentucky, like huge blowout over Kentucky, and and TCU did the exact same thing they've done every week. They they played a close game against a, a meet, middle of the road Big Twelve team. They won, so they're they're nine and zero now. But it's just so. It's not consistent. Like I feel like after 13 games, if TCU is undefeated and Tennessee has one win, I'm putting TCU ahead of Tennessee every time. Big 12 champion, undefeated every time. But like through nine games, there's nothing from what we said in week 10. There's nothing to really justify Tennessee TCU jumping Tennessee from week 10 to week 11. I would agree, but it's like I feel like they're just kind of looking at it as just like this is where they're at they didn't drop tennessee significantly farther they're still giving them the opportunity where it's like tennessee wins out i mean they have the the third highest their rankings went up after losing on saturday of making the college ball playoff um i think there's a still a very strong possibility they make the college ball playoff um they're gonna need a little bit more help than i think some tennessee fans um seem to think right now and if you're dang sure that it's gonna be that Michigan and Ohio State will knock the other out. I just, I'm not there yet because of what we've seen thus far. Clearly, the committee is not all in on Michigan's schedule, and that's been cited multiple times is that they don't like their non conference schedule. They don't like who they've played to this point. I mean, they were down uh, at Rutgers um, this week, uh, this past week. So, I mean, they didn't play well there. Obviously, Ohio State struggling on the road at Northwestern uh, for three quarters. 
elements can only go so far. Like you just should not be struggling with a team that has not won on American soil in 2022. Like it's just, that's not, not reality. And you look at um, Alabama, like you said, who is one spot above them. I think there's still clearly a strong, strong belief. And I think they're right because if you look at this week's game that we'll talk about, Alabama is still a two touchdown favorite just about over Ole Miss on the road. So clearly there is still a lot of belief in Alabama uh, to this point. And it's also LSU's figured some stuff out and they deserve a lot of credit for that. But I just, I think I disagree with the TCU Tennessee thing. I think the right answer is the four that we kind of talked about last week, which is I think if you gave true serum to everyone on the committee who they thought the four best teams in the country are this year, they would say Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Tennessee. Like, I think that they would say that in their heart of hearts. It's like, yeah, that's probably who it is. And if that's the case, then as long as Tennessee wins out, I think they're going to get their wish and get at least three of those teams in. But I just, I think their hands are going to be tied and we're going to sacrifice one of these quarterfinal games for like a better game. But I mean, on the other side, when I say that, I'm like, well, you had Michigan Georgia last year that we thought was going to be a pretty good game. And it just wasn't. Um, They obviously blew them out and it was um, not a good game at all. I don't know. I just, I think the two best, the four best teams uh, all reside in two conferences, the two big 10 schools and the two sec schools. And I don't know, like LSU can't jump Tennessee if they went out because Tennessee buried them on the road. Um, outside of LSU winning, the one thing is LSU winning the whole thing and winning the SEC. They're in under those circumstances. Um, even as a two-loss team, which would get messy, a 11-1, one-loss Tennessee getting usurped by a LSU team that had two losses but won the SEC um, that they blew out is weird. Um, that's why I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Georgia's going to go down to LSU. Uh, well, they, before you before you go too far from Tennessee, though, I yeah. feel see, but this is where like the committee's inconsistency. Like we have no idea what they're going to do week to week because you're literally saying through nine games, TCU is better than Tennessee's resume. Hmm. So to this point, there's nothing Tennessee can do to jump TCU. Like they're they play three bad teams basically to end the season here, where TCU is going to play. Who do they play in the regular season here? They have Texas I, uh, this week. Um, Texas. Do they still do have they Baylor? Still have, I think they still have Baylor. Uh, yeah, because Baylor has the three best teams. So, yeah, Baylor's on there. And then the Big 12 Iowa Championship, State. potentially. So, mm. they're. I feel like they're setting this up almost that a one-loss TCU and Tennessee is a conversation. Mm. Because if, if to what they've done to this point, if they're ahead of them, mm. then what they're going to do in the next month is going to be way better than Tennessee. So I, I almost feel like they're they're setting up like a Big 12 champion can get in, a one-loss Big 12 champion could potentially get in. But back to your what you're saying about Ohio State, like I'm still I still think Tennessee's better, and that that ultimately could win out. But to what you're saying about Ohio State and Michigan, the I think if Ohio State wins, then Michigan is likely out of it. But what I think left the door open is that we saw Oregon and Tennessee both get absolutely blasted by Georgia, the number one team. If Ohio State Michigan is a close game, then that I think that's where Tennessee kind of left the door open potentially for a, a Michigan to lose or Ohio State to lose and, and get in there. Because if, if that's actually a good game, then I think that the, the committee could look at that the loser of that game differently than they look at the loser, then they look at Tennessee. 
I don't think it was the same. We've seen that a lot on Twitter this week too, that the Oregon loss is the same as the Tennessee loss uh, to Georgia. Stetson Bennett completed 80% of his passes in the Tennessee, in the Oregon Georgia game. He was stomping all over them. I don't know if you remember the vibe and like what that was in the first half, Matt Green, but it was like, Oh, this is going to be 56. There was never a feeling. It was what? 28, three at the half. It's like, Georgia Tennessee was twenty four to six at the half, and then but it started raining. It was close. So I and feel if, like that kind of Georgia started running the clock out. It seemed like after it started raining. So I, I don't know. I feel like they it is different, but at the same time, it's like they're both still blowouts, and it's hard. It's hard for Tennessee. I think Tennessee should be prepared. Tennessee fans should be mentally preparing themselves for a one loss Pac twelve champion to jump them in the polls. Like I think it's it's going to happen. I think the I think the probability of it happening isn't great because I think it's going to be really tough for for USC, UCLA, or Oregon to get through their remaining schedule and all someone coming out of that with one loss. But if you look at just the resume, those teams are going to build up all playing each other potentially, like multiple top ten, top twelve wins to end the season, and also being a Pac twelve a conference champion. We know how they how the committee does prefer conference champions if they can. So I think Tennessee fans should be mentally preparing themselves. Like for Oregon to be, and and like we've talked about, like for what they've done to this point, for Oregon to be one spot behind them, they beat Washington, they beat Utah. Wait, yeah, Utah's who they have the next week. And then potentially like number seven USC in the Pac-12 championship. Like, or even UCLA, if it, they could be number seven or eight in the Pac-12 championship. So, like, I mean, I, I think Oregon is is setting the – and the fact that both teams got blown out by Georgia, they, at the end of the day, they're not that different, even though one lost by 14 at the end of the day and the other lost by 40-something. Both and games one was were – both was games were Athens. blowouts. They weren't. They weren't the same. Like, it was just different. It was, different. what, 27-6 with, like, five minutes left in the game? Like, I, I feel like – but was, you're missing a, a couple bombs. You're missing like if you just connect on one of those open receivers. Like I'm Stetson sure connected had on some plays that they are like, hey, if we would have just done this, if we, you know, we could have had a touchdown here. I mean, you know, I'm sure Oregon. Well, had I mean, you hit it. That's what I'm saying. It's a make or miss league, and I mean Georgia hit it right. They hit one of their bombs early. What I'm saying is that like, look, Tennessee had four, and they've never missed those all season long. If Hendon just hits two of those four, the game is relatively close like Hyatt was open Tillman was open Princeton Fant went uh lunge for that one he was open there were steps like they had their shots they just didn't they didn't hit them and you get one of those it's close I'm not saying that Tennessee was gonna win that football game I'm not saying that whatsoever I am saying that you have to give Tennessee credit for at least like part of it yeah the three points they were went in a shell the nine the nine minute drive as we discussed was by design they still wanted to keep the ball away from tennessee and not give them more reps and more opportunities to hit that big play because i think probably part of it with kirby and would be smart to think this way is just that like you still have a freshman back there malachi starks you still have some dudes where i mean keely ringo had gotten multiple pass interference and uh holding calls that like it's just going to take one for one of these. Yeah. Like you don't want to keep giving Tennessee. I think it was a lot about it was a lot about how much they respected Tennessee's offense for sure. And just right. I don't think that was the, the same field. with Oregon. I think Oregon and you even said after like Kirby after the game was just like we had better players. Like it was the tenor was different. 
the feeling was different. Tennessee walked out of there. I just don't feel like the coaching staff even, like if you even asked the Dan Lanning coaching staff versus the Tennessee coaching staff after, the Tennessee staff would be like, well, if we hit two of those four that we normally hit, then it's a different kind of game. But like, we didn't have the bodies on the offensive line. We didn't have, and the pre-snap stuff, like Oregon wasn't having nine pre-snap penalties because of the atmosphere. They weren't dealing with uh, the kind of crowd noise and one of the all time best uh, college football environments we've ever seen in our lifetime. Like that's how big it was. The sound and the volume and just how crazy Georgia fans are. Oregon wasn't dealing with that. It was in a dome. Get out of here. Like, I just don't think it was the same. And I think you have the optics were completely different. Everything about it. And, Tennessee was number one going into it, right? Like, I think the people had higher expectations. Like, if you're number one, you can't get beat like that. Oregon wasn't number one. Oregon was further down, and I don't think anyone expected Oregon to win that game coming in. So I think the people were easier on Oregon uh, for getting blown out. But No, that's fair. Yeah. But I, I think it, it, it wasn't the same. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. But it was still a blowout at the end of the day. But I think the biggest difference is when it happened. I think... I think losing the first game of the season in a blowout feels a little different than than losing in the the tenth game of the ninth game of the season in a blowout. It just, I feel like you have a little bit more like, yeah, we've come together as a team. This is Bo Nix's first game with a brand new roster, all that brand new head coach, and now they've kind of come along. And I think if they're a one loss Pac-12 champion, I just don't think they leave that team out of the playoff. I think there's a, a regional bias, honestly, at the end of the day, to be like, look, we want to try to get the West Coast team involved if we can. They just haven't been able to for years because there hasn't been a realistic option. But like, I, I think, think they'll pick it, a one loss Pac-12 team over a one loss Michigan team that lost to Ohio State. I think they do that. I think yeah, it's going to come down sure. to whoever. I think it comes down to Michigan versus Tennessee getting left out. I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. A one-loss Michigan and a one-loss Tennessee. And I think the committee would go Tennessee based on their schedule to this point and leave Michigan out and put in the one-loss Pac-12 team. Um, and this is all assuming TCU loses. And you're assuming a TCU. Okay. So if TCU loses, I think you get Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee, and like Oregon or USC. One Or even UCLA, who we haven't mentioned, is 8-1. Uh, so they yeah, could I'm also, not really sure how UCLA. USC they can't rise. Is so UCLA is out. Like they're at number twelve at this point. I don't know. They don't have much more room to make up. I, I just I don't know See, how I they're disagree, that low. Though I don't know how they're that much lower than USC because right USC doesn't have any good wins that Utah that UCLA doesn't have. So I don't. I didn't really get that part either. But yeah, I um uh, I don't know. I think UCLA will be the most improbable, but. In order to get up there, I mean, they have to beat the teams that are currently number six and number eight, and that's going to take them a long way up. So, well, these teams are going to cannibalize each other. USC goes to UCLA. Um, I'm trying to help you right now. You don't want to hear it. I'm saying Tennessee fans, they should mentally prepare themselves for someone to potentially jump them, even though. But see, the part of it too is like I'm just not even sweating it that much because it's just like this team can't win the championship like they don't have the trenches like they it's just the offensive linemen and defensive linemen aren't there to run the gauntlet against ohio state and georgia that's just not they don't have it yet so i mean yeah it'd be cool to make it and it's probably good for recruiting to be in but i'm not like sweating it i'm not gonna be like oh man what a travesty it's still year two with oh dude are you kidding me you want to be in the playoffs so bad there's a chance to win the national championship you're right there there's no there's no sweat it'll be a huge disappointment if you're left they would be the first team to ever win the national title without being in the right uh, position-wise blue-chip ratio. Like, they'd be the first one ever. 
Well, we can throw that blue chip ratio out in anyway. I'm, I'm not surely sure how they come up with it because it's like there's there's five star players that are busts that are still counted as five stars in their in their ratios. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's a it's a flawed system personally. Mm. But interesting um, week for you to talk about uh, flawed systems and things you don't agree. You have something you want to get off your chest, Matt Green? What what are you, what are you saying? Just election stuff. Never mind. Oh, uh, oh, I went over my head. We're but. going down a rabbit hole here. Um, yeah, but we'll see ultimately what happens. I think as long Tennessee just went out, take care of business, and I think they're in a really good shot uh, spot to make the playoff. But if not, they're in the Sugar Bowl, and we get to see what Joe Milton can do uh, against uh, whoever's on the other side of it. We'll so see. I think the biggest thing is, what if Alabama loses again? Hmm. And what if LSU – I mean, LSU's got A&M and Arkansas, like two teams they should definitely beat. But it's like, should LSU be 7-2 and two right now? Like, I don't know. That seems surprising too. So I'm not really sure what to expect from them, like if they can close this out. So, like, if LSU and Alabama lose one more game, I think that makes Tennessee's case for that for final spot – like that much tougher if those two teams neither is in the top 10 if those are still two top 10 wins at the end of the season i think that almost solidifies tennessee's spot but i think if those are no longer key wins i think you could look at oregon's resume at the end of the year and and legitimately say that it's better than tennessee's i would be very surprised if both implode down the stretch i think one of them is gonna uh keep this thing going at the bare oxford minimum. mississippi sir you better watch out Get the popcorn dogs. ready. Yeah, I'm not nervous about that one. We'll get into our picks. Uh, Matt Green, uh, do you have our pick uh for, for this week before we get into week 11? I do, sir. And I have the uh, the standings. I was uh, a little mm. slack in uh, on the last show. But, yes, as I told you, I made up some ground on you against mm-hmm. the spread. So, uh, against the spread, you are 55-55-3 and three on the season. Mm-hmm. One game behind, I am 54, 56, and 3. And then uh, overall, you are 77 and 36 on the season, sir. And I am 70 and 43, seven games back from you. So four weeks to play. We get Zeus also 6 and 5 with his home dogs of the week uh, on the year. So, uh, yeah, that's where we stand for right now. I like it. Um, and this is another tough week, man. I'm telling you, last week I thought was the toughest I've had to, tough decisions I've had to make. I feel like we're in a weird territory where there's so many road teams I like. I don't know if all the teams I've liked all year have been at home, and that's how I gobbled up this lead where the teams I believed in were all mm. playing a bunch of home games. And now I'm in a position where I'm having to like pick way too many road teams, and I don't feel good about it whatsoever. There's just too many when I go through this. And I go back and forth where I'm like, this is too many. I've got to pull somebody. I've got to flip to the home team uh, and a couple of these. And I, I'm struggling with it, man. Uh, it's it's tough. I don't know if you found the same sort of uh, uh, insecurities when doing these uh, pickums the last two weeks because of just how many road teams should be is better, but they're on the road. So you're like, mm, I don't know. It's interesting you should ask because the last two weeks, uh, I won the pick'em mm-hmm. in uh, the group in the group pool, mm-hmm. and then Tori won the pick'em this last week. So we were cleaning up on the pick'em these past two weeks, actually. But for you, last week was your worst week of the entire season. Looking how we're we're trending here, mm-hmm. you had a little stretch there. Went went seven and four, almost like eight weeks in a row. Mixed in an eleven and zero in there, though. Mm-hmm. Just an absurd week you had there. But um. 
I'm on my fourth straight seven and four uh, overall, and then uh, just a lot, a lot of six and fives, five and sixes. Finally got a seven and four against the spread this past week to uh, to make up three games on you in the in the standings this past week. So hope, hoping I can do that again here. But uh, you ready to you ready to get into it? I am ready, sir. Um, where are we going first? All right, college game day will be in Austin for this one. The Horned Frogs, the fourth-ranked Horned Frogs, are at Texas, and the Longhorns are a seven-point favorite. The 18th-ranked Texas is a seven-point favorite at home over TCU. And I was torn on this one. I feel like I actually I feel like after we, we decided on um, on last <laughs> week because of your strategy that you're gonna have to go first. So I'm gonna have to like, let me tell you, tell me what you think about this one. <clears throat> That's right. We do have an agreement just for not because I would do this, but just so folks know that I'm not uh, intentionally doing that if it does happen. Um that's that's the thing but it's also it could flip on you where you're too you you overthink what i'm doing too much and then you go against your picks because you're like oh how many has he done that i gotta very, I, gotta flip up. I gotta make up some ground um so we'll see but stay I think, true to my sheet exactly there you go i like it stay true to the game plan uh win lose or die there you uh, go clear eyes trust full the hearts. process trust the process clear eyes full hearts can't lose um tcu is number one in the big 12 in 30 and 40 yard pass plays they're a big play team and i look at this and i'm like okay that's part of the reason that they're never out of these games when they're in a hole you're like tcu is just one or two plays away from coming back and they've proven over almost 10 games now that that's their best thing is that they're never truly out of a football game um and you, it, it's a lot to put away the horn frogs and max duggan's been great but we saw a little bit last week of max duggan the one that we've seen in the past kind of come back to the forefront where you're like, oh, right, this this is not the same. This was not the Max Duggan we've seen all year and more of what we saw previously. No Quentin Johnson last week, which mattered um, for them. I don't know if he's going to play in this one, but I thought it was interesting that Bijan Robinson is number one uh, in rushing the Big 12. Number two is Kendry Miller, uh, the running back for TCU, who had a big day last week. So two teams that are very comfortable running the football on you running it down your throat but also max duggan has just 24 tds i think two picks at this point he's been sensational through the air um the biggest thing turnover margin favors tcu um they are have been great on that front they don't turn the ball over i've said i've joked that they are the tennessee of the big 12 um to this point maybe texas is their georgia in the conference where it's like this is where all the five stars and the four stars and just being well coached, like Sarkeesian's got this thing humming. Bijan Robinson's a different kind of player. Quinn Ewers, we've seen to this point, he didn't throw a pick last week. Um, he didn't flash a bunch, but two TDs, no picks. He's been consistent, um, not putting ball in arm's way. I think t- Texas wins this game. I think this is where it ends uh, for TCU. But I do think it's close. I think this comes down. This is a back and forth barn burner. I think TCU... Uh, makes this a game to the very end. It might be a last-second field goal for Texas. Might go to overtime. That wouldn't surprise me. I think these teams are very, very evenly matched is what I took away from this one. And if you have a full season of Quinn Ewers, I think this could potentially look like a top-five matchup between uh, two of the best. Um, I think these are the two best teams in the Big 12 this year. So I think Texas wins. I think if this was at TCU, I would pick TCU. But being in Austin and seeing what that crowd and everything they did against Austin 
Alabama at home earlier this season. It's going to be rocking for this one, too. In-state rivalry. Um, give me Texas, but I think TCU covers. All right. TCU against the spread. Texas getting the victory. So this is your classic uh, big brother, little brother situation mm. you got here with with Texas and TCU. But not how you may think, sir. Since joining the Big 12, the Horned Frogs are 7-3 and three against the Longhorns. Mm-hmm. They've had the edge in this matchup. Third best uh, passing game in the Big 12. Second best rushing attack in the Big 12. They're just balanced offensively. Both of these teams give up a lot of points, so it's not like a, necessarily a defense that I see. I mean, they've been good against the run, Texas, this year. So if that's the that's the best chance I think Texas has. If they can make TCU one-dimensional and make Max Duggan have to be, beat him with, the, uh, with his arm, then I think that's Texas's best chance to win this game. But but like you said, like their their running game has been great this year, and I just don't see I don't see Texas slowing them down. I I, I feel like th- this feels like the time that TCU's uh, magical story comes to an end. But like, can we give Max Duggan some Heisman t- conversation? Like this guy's twenty four touchdowns, two picks. I want to say like. Five, six rushing touchdowns. Like, he's having a ridiculous year. TCU is the fourth-ranked team in the country right now, and they're not doing it because of their defense. Like, they're doing it because of this offense, and Max Duggan is is so much the, a part of, or so much of the reason for that. So, I don't know if maybe this is the high-profile game that the Heisman, that the, the, the talking heads of college football are waiting on, like, for him to ball out versus, TC, versus Texas. Uh, on the road in Austin, so maybe this is the game that that Max Duggan puts himself in that Heisman conversation. But I think uh, as good as Texas is, like they haven't just been firing on all cylinders since Ewers came back, kind of like I thought they would. I think they've been inconsistent at times, and I just I like this TCU offense. I can't pick against TCU, so give me the Horn Frogs to uh, to win outright in this one. Ooh, okay. Let's go. That's we disagree right away. I'll be honest. It's funny because you said overthink, overthink yourself there. That was the one game in the pick'em that I was prepared to just pick the opposite of whatever you picked. <laughs> but I, I, TCU is what I had on my sheet though. So I'm glad. I'm glad you went with, with Texas. That seemed like you would go Texas. Um, what is that supposed to mean? In that game, you just you know, I just felt like you were gonna pick Texas. I'm, I'm trying to read, I'm trying to read you, you know. Okay. But um, keeping it moving to the Golden Boot, uh, the battle for the Golden Boot, I should say. LSU mm-hmm. at Arkansas, Razorbacks at home, three point dog in this one. You know, I'm a Razorback guy. You know, I, I've wanted, I wanted to be, a, I wanted to be a believer. They were, they were the next uh, contender coming out of the West, but they just haven't been that this year. I, um, we knew the offense was the strength of this team, but I don't think any of us just saw how bad this this defense was going to be. They're, um, they're allowing 30 points a game this year. That's the 11th, 11th worst in all of Power Five. So. They're just this Arkansas defense has just given up way too many points. Um, their last home win, sir. 
you have not been a married man and seen the Arkansas Razorbacks win a game in Fayetteville, sir. And they've played three of them. The last time they won at home was August, or August, was September 17th. They've lost three straight home games. And I think it's going to be a fourth because LSU's offense is just, it's, it's clicking at the right time. I don't, I don't see, I don't see Arkansas slowing them down. Like I, in 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 Fayetteville, it is an X factor, but I don't know. I, I feel like Arkansas's or I feel like LSU's moving in the right direction. Give me LSU to win and cover. What did I say? It's a three point spread. It's three. Yeah. Um. So you look at it where you mentioned like LSU seems to just blow them out at home, like thirty three ten, fifty six twenty. Um, outside of last year where 1916 Arkansas, a huge win, or 1613. Their, their first golden boot since 2015, actually. Mm-hmm. And you go back through it when it's, I mean, these games have been pretty close, um, but still, since 2011, it's been mostly LSU. And then you go, like, uh, most of the series, LSU has dominated this series. It kind of feels not quite Kentucky-Tennessee, but a little bit like it, 42, 23, and 2. Um, the trophy, since it's been um, instituted, is uh, seventeen and nine. Um, yeah, you got to go back to the McFadden days for this mm-hmm. one to be really fun. Honestly, it's just a tale of multiple seasons where I just I struggle with. Look, did they ha- did they wake up by losing to Liberty at home? Was that like one of those where could they they charge late? Like they came back uh, and almost won, stopped the goal line, huge win for Liberty. But it was like, hey this is what happens when we don't take team seriously. Is this what happens when we get stagnant as a program? Cause they're still running the ball really well. And I think they're going to run all over LSU. And I don't think LSU's cleaned that up. Harold Perkins is a dude. And I think that's going to be a problem for KJ Jefferson in this one. Something I thought was surprising is Jaden uh, Daniels is number two in completion percentage now uh, in the conference. So he's extremely efficient just behind Hinton Hooker, who is number one um, to this point. I think he has entered another level uh, based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks. And he's kind of surpassed. KJ is, just seems like he's kind of having a rough, rough go of it. And does not, it's just kind of like Will Levis and um, where they're not bad. It's just not right. There's something off with Arkansas this year where it's just not their year. It feels like a six and six come back to earth year for this program. And somebody had to do it in the SEC West. If Ole Miss was going to go eight and one uh, and <laughs> LSU was going to thrive and Bama was still going to be relatively Bama. Someone had to fall a little bit. And uh, to this point, it's been Auburn. And I think it might be Arkansas, uh, who is just kind of having a rough down year uh, for them. So I think LSU being so close to the playoff now, controlling their own destiny, where as long as they went out, they're in the SEC championship game. I don't see them. Uh, I don't see them losing uh, anytime soon. That all being said, Matt Green, three, man, if this was three and a half, I wish it, I, it goes back to your point. I hate the solid lines. Like three is just so dumb because I could see this just being a three point win for LSU. I think this is going to be really close because this is like Arkansas Super Bowl now. It's in Arkansas. It's they're not playing for the SEC West. They're not playing for supremacy. This is just a full on history type game for them. And they just KJ wants to prove he's better than Jaden Daniels. I don't think any of that's happening though. So give me LSU to win. But I'll differ with you on covering. Maybe it's a one point different. I think this mm. is going to be a very, very close game. So give me LSU to win, but Arkansas to cover. Interesting. 
covering three points but not getting the win. Mm. Um, yeah, and speaking of uh, like bowl eligibility, like looking at Arkansas's schedule, like LSU, Ole Miss, and then at Missouri to finish the season, like they got to win one of those, and that's um, there's not any guaranteed wins on that. So let's keep it moving. Um, the Alabama Crimson Tide going on the road at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a 12-point home dog in this one. Uh, how do you see this one going? Who? Um, Ole Miss, I don't think they saw this coming. I love that Lane Kiffin mentioned uh, that he didn't participate in the noon basketball games at Alabama because he wasn't foul. He couldn't foul Nick Saban, which is just great. He was like, I'm, if I can't foul Saban or I can't really play good D, like, what am I? What's, what's the point of playing? Um, look, Ole Miss... I think there's fool's gold here where they haven't played the back half of their SEC West schedule. Um, we're seeing some some cracks in the armor a little bit. Quinchon Jenkins has been uh, dynamite for them when we all thought it was going to be Zachary Evans uh, heading into the year. Jackson Dart, though, completing only 61% of his passes to this point. Uh, Old Miss is, I believe, number two in sacks given up where they don't give up many sacks. Like, that's part of been been part of the reason they were able to make this work with Jackson Dart is like he's not getting pressured he's not running for his life um and having to do too much for this team they've been able to just kind of let Jenkins and Evans when they need to guide this team and Dart do a couple things to get them over the hump but by and large it's he hasn't had a lot on his plate he's been able to kind of game manage a lot of these wins for Ole Miss um rush defense though number three it's for Alabama in the conference and I don't think they've seen anything like this in the past rush. I think Will Anderson and uh, Dallas Turner, they have a big one. Ole Miss is motivated. I mean, excuse me, Alabama's motivated. I don't see three to four losses coming down the pike for Alabama. Um, I don't know. When was the last time they lost back-to-back SEC games, Matt Green? I feel like it's been a, been a little bit um, since that was the case. Yeah, I think I think I want to say 2010 was their last three-loss SEC uh, season, but I don't know if there's any back-to-back ones in that in that that year. All that being said, I think Alabama wins, but there is a theme here. There is a theme that people are just waiting for Alabama to just kick the crap out of somebody, like, kind of like Mississippi State. Uh, but that was at home. This on the road. I don't think they're going to kick the crap out of Ole Miss. I think Alabama wins, but I think this is another just like an Alabama fan who, you know what's funny? One of the things I asked Alabama fans for the last like 12 years, right? I'm like, do y'all have fun? Do you do you enjoy this run? Genuinely, I'm I'm not trying to be like smart about it. I'm I'm genuinely curious. When you go into so many Saturdays, where it's over by the second quarter, are you having fun? Like the majority of your season doesn't start till November. Like, are you having fun at these games and sitting down and building your afternoon around these games? When shoot, their not- season doesn't start in November. It starts in December. Exactly. Like, so there you go. Where are we going? Where's the playoff this year? Well, I was just saying Where Auburn. Like, I was throwing November because it's like you get, yeah. at least get Auburn. You LSU get the Iron Bowl. and Auburn yeah. in, in November, for sure. And I just wonder, and they were like, yeah, it's not, but winning's fun. Like, winning at the end of the day is still fun, and this is something you need to monitor Matt Green because I think this is kind of where George is heading now and there's a chance that George does not lose a regular season game for three years um, in a row with next year's schedule if you look at it not a lot of guaranteed losses on that one yeah. either so we might not see it for a long time and now every week even when they lose when they win nothing's easy nothing is easy for this Alabama team and there's something off the guys out wide aren't there 
Jameer Gibbs can only do so much. Bryce Young can only do so much. I think this is going to be extremely close again. So I think Alabama pulls this one out, but I don't think it's a blowout by any means. I don't think this is a get right. Like we're Alabama. We're going to show who we are. I think this is another drag out, like down to the last two minutes. I think this is going to be a memorable football game. So give me Alabama, but I think Ole Miss covers. Um, I pretty much agree with just about everything you said there because I think Ole Miss is fool's gold. Like I think you even looked like the what was it? Did they start six and zero or seven and zero? I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kentucky was obviously a, a good win there, but like even that one, it's like Will Levis threw the game-winning touchdown. There was just a, a legal motion or whatever that didn't really pertain to the actual play, and then they and then they forced the fumble after that. So they did hang on and win the game, but. Since they got in their SEC, this SEC West run they've had, like they've just been getting absolutely torched uh, defensively, just especially on the ground. So I feel like um, um, your boy for Alabama, I'm totally blanking on his name right now, starting running back, oh, Jameer Gibbs. Um, totally blanked on his name for a second. I feel like Gibbs is going to have a field day in this game. Um, but. At this point, with the way Ole Miss is also coming off a bye week, like we know Lane, how Lane Kiffin is as a play caller. Like you know, they've been just waiting for this Alabama game for a while, and especially an Alabama defense that's kind of undisciplined and can blow some coverages from time to time. Like Ole Miss is going to score some points in this game, so I don't, I don't think Ole Miss is going to get a lot of stops. So I, I think, yeah, I think this one's going to be a high-scoring one. I'm going to take Alabama to win. But um, Ole Miss uh, to against the spread, just right. like you did. We agree. Um, at this point, like I'm just every time they go on the road, I'm going to pick against them until they prove me wrong. That's a fair, fair way to go um, going about it. And keeping it moving to the Big Ten, we got Maryland on the road at Penn State, and Penn State is a ten point favorite in this one. How do you how do you see this one? Penn State, another kind of forgettable season that had potential. Um, I guess we'll see with Drew Aller, their highest. Uh, really quarterback prospect in a long time. He's shown flashes. He can spin it, do stuff that Sean Clifford just can't do uh, with this group. A lot of talent, but they missed the big moment again. They had Ohio State at home and just couldn't close the deal in the second half. So it's just another, feels like they're going back to the, it's just so weird. Um, they're going to be another forgettable nine and three, 10 and two solid big 10 team, but just not, not elite. There's just something missing year over year there. Nine and three. Yeah. Who are they losing to? Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a possibility. What I'm saying is like nine and three or ten. Uh, who's left on their schedule? Um, have they played Michigan State yet? No, they haven't. So that's a that would circle that one as like a possibility. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking ten and two though. Ten and two, which is uh, so many programs around the country would kill for that. And if you're a Penn State fan, you're like, oh, this sucks. Like, we're just close. We're just like a B plus. We're we just don't feel like we're in the same ballpark as Michigan and. Ohio State and the recruiting is there like they don't Penn State fans don't aren't wrong to be annoyed about just not being elite and you talked about Joe Pa and his success um in Happy Valley for so many years that like Penn State's actually one of those programs that is right to have pretty high expectations about where they are and I'm not saying they should win that they should be Ohio State but they should be like in the Big Ten championship game every four years they should be having those kind of special seasons every now and then with the kind of talent they can uh, pull in from the DMV and 
um, that you didn't believe me is what they call it uh, in that area. But uh, from a few weeks back, but you know, there's a lot of talent and maybe part of it's Loxley's gotten a lot of talent at Maryland, uh, which is why I think this game's gonna be so interesting for recruiting aspects because they recruit a lot of the same kind of guys. Um, all that being said, uh, 41-3-1 and one, uh, all time in this series for Penn State. It's pure domination from this one. Um, on defense, it's just a nightmare for Maryland. Their defense is the difference, where I think both offenses are cooking and they can score. The difference is Maryland's 8th in the Big Ten in scoring defense, 10th in total defense, 11th in passing defense, and 10th in rushing defense. They just can't stop anybody. And I think Penn State showed a lot on the ground last week against Indiana. I think they're going to run all over uh, Maryland. I think this is one they actually close with ease. So give me Penn State to win and cover. I'm going to have to go ahead and agree with you mm. again, sir. Um, just looking at, like, Maryland, obviously they can score some points. Um, but, I mean, their average margin of victory is like seven points this year. Like, their defense has given up a lot. And, obviously, Wisconsin's kind of getting back on the, on the right track the last few weeks. But going at Wisconsin and losing 23-10 to 10 with a team that's like, you know, Penn State's basically just a better version of Wisconsin, you know. On paper, Penn State and Maryland, they're very, very similar teams. But uh, going on on the road and in Happy Valley, I think the I think the home crowd probably get, is good for a solid seven points or so in this one. So give me Penn State to win and cover as well. All right, where are we going next? Um, keeping it moving, going down to the AAC, sir. <laughs> Uh, we got UCF going to New Orleans to face this uh, or a ranked matchup here. The twenty was it twenty second ranked UCF going on the road at number seventeen Tulane. What are you? What are your thoughts about this one? First off, they got screwed. They should have gotten game day this week. Like I don't understand. Like I understand Texas TCU is a big one, but weren't they in Austin for Texas Alabama? Am I misremembering that? They were. I was. I was kind of thinking the same thing. I just. I. I don't know. I don't know what Tulane. I guess this is. That's a reason to go to New Orleans because uh, I don't really know what Tulane uh, about their game day atmosphere. Well, we would have learned on Saturday, and Willie Fritz has got that program cooking. He's just. He wins wherever he goes. That dude's just solid. Big Willie Fritz guy. Did good stuff at Georgia Southern before he left, but very pro Willie Fritz in this podcast. But pro Willie Fritz. Yeah. Um, but Tulane, I just, the thing I struggle with them is UCF is just more balanced on both sides. They're very close in defense, very close, um, in a lot of ways on that side of the ball. You, Tulane's got a really great linebacker combination, um, that will be paramount in shutting down John Reese Plumlee and company, uh, for the Golden Knights on Saturday. But I just, I look at the offense and there's still just something not great about the Tulane offense. They, they, they shut people down with their defense. They beat Kansas State. I don't know if people remember that, but like that looked like an upset early in the season, but it was just maybe just the better team uh, won that one. Um, they're number 17 in the playoff ranking. Huge. Obviously, their first time ever making the CFP rankings, but this is the best, um, un, like their best season since I'm going to give, um, it's trivia time, uh, Matt Green. I don't know if you've seen this from my notes. Which coach not. quarterback combination uh, was undefeated at Tulane in 1998. I know it was Sean King. It was Sean King. As the quarterback. Legend. Um, oh, man, I do not know who the head coach is. Well, hey, can you give me a hint? Did this guy, did he go somewhere from Tulane? Like, should I know this guy? You should definitely know this guy. And I will tell you, 
Um, he coached at another big name school in the ACC for a long time. Oh man. Um, comes from a, a family of coaches. Chan Gailey or something. Oh, uh, uh, Bowden. Tommy Bowden. Ah, okay. I didn't realize he was the coach of that, uh, of that Tulane team. Neither did I. It was their last comp- conference championship, which is pretty amazing. They were also the is that S- a Conference USA title back then. I believe so, but don't quote me on it. Um, speaking of Conference USA, did a smart thing. I'm glad college football programs are doing this. Maction all of November, and CUSA is doing CUSA all through October. Did you see this? Where all their games are going to be on Wednesdays or Tuesday? <laughs> yeah, Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, one of the two. Tuesday's a terrible day for a game. I'm just... But they're doing it. That's what you should do. And it also gives people who are fans of other college football programs in those states. Like, if you're a Kent State student and you're like, I love my Golden Flashes, but it would be nice to, like, get that game out of the way on, like, a Tuesday or Wednesday. Go support my... Then you can watch the Ohio State game on Saturday. Exactly. I think it's actually a smart marketing ploy i think that's a good but tuesday i just i disagree with tuesday i'm i'm cool wednesday thursday friday tuesday is just it's too early in the week for college football and too it was early USA, in the by week the way. it was USA, USA, by the way okay um, um you're you pretty much had the same i i had the same thoughts about this game as well because looking at this it's basically the best offense in the in the aac versus the best defense in in the conference Tulane's been really good defensively, but UCF is one of the best defenses. So I think that just their balance offensively and just the ability to play complementary football, I, I just think UCF's a better team. So I, uh, I'm going to also, it's going to be a rowdy environment, but like you said, if game day was there, I think that might be enough to tip the scales for me and pick uh, uh, Tulane, but give me UCF to go on the road, get the dub. I didn't even give you my pick yet. Oh, I thought you said UCF. It sounded like you were going to pick UCF. You jumped the gun. Not ah. so fast, my friend. <laughs> Not so fast. Um, they have never appeared in a CUSA or AAC championship game. UCF, 3-2 and two in their last five trips to Tulane. Although they have won the last four in the conference, 3-2 and two, uh, when going to Tulane. I'm riding the green wave. I think... And what's the what's the spread one more time? I don't know how I didn't pick the green wave. Now I'm regretting that. Um, two points uh, yeah. for Tulane. Little too much to not cover. Like I can't put UCF to cover a two point spread. Little little too much for me. No two two. Yeah, it, but is UCF a favorite or is Tulane favorite? No, Tulane's a two point favorite. That's what I thought. Okay, give me Tulane to win and cover. I think it's close. But give me the Green Wave in their biggest home game in our last, our adult lives, our since uh, we were both in elementary school. Yeah, no, I'm riding the Green Wave. Huge slap in the face to the SEC OGs. And also, Greg Sankey, don't be a coward. Punt the Vanderbilt Commodores and bring back the Tulane Green Wave and put them in our conference where they where they belong. Bring them back. Yeah, we could have had a we could have had a game day picker like uh, J.P. Lossman or mm-hmm. something like that. Is was that that was that was his name, right? Um, yeah, that, Matt Forte, he's Tulane. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a couple a couple out there could add, but no, we get Austin for the second time of the season. But that is a huge game, TCU going on the road. So uh, there you go. Where are we going next? Uh, we're going back to the SEC. 
South Carolina at Florida. Florida's an eight-point favorite in this one. And the eight points is what started to kind of scare me. But I'm I'm looking at this game, and I'm looking at South Carolina and the numbers, and it's just like this just isn't a very good football team. And mm-hmm. I Florida's just had a it seems like every like toss up game they've had this year has been at home. Like it's it's kind of crazy how it seems to have worked out like that for them this year. But I think the worst thing you can do when going on the road, especially in a hostile environment, one of the better home environments in all of college football, is turn the ball over. And mm. Spencer Rattler currently leads the SEC in interceptions, and I feel like that is just an awful combination for going on the road and getting a win. So give me the Gators to win and cover. I see a defensive touchdown happening in this game. I, I, I just see South Carolina – at least like two or three turnovers just that kind of swing the momentum of this game. Whew. Um, so you're going South Carolina here. No, I'm picking Florida to okay. win and cover. Okay. Um, you're not going to like this, Matt Green. You're, you're jumping the gun. You're, you're taking these picks now before I have an opportunity to throw them out before. I'm trying oh, to help that's you. that's true. That's true. I'm trying to help you. And you no, just keep... it's all good. You know we're, uh, we're soul skaters, right? You uh, for, do we we, we do it for the the right way, you know. Soul skaters, absolutely puppet sets. I don't know. I feel like very, very high integrity guy over there. I, I I trust I trust you're not you're gonna play the game the right way. Control yourself. Oh well, well, that was like a huge hype up thing when uh, they're racing and they're just going down. That like the music you <laughs> one hear. One too many Brink references. You lost me with that one. No, do you remember when he's like they? Uh, I think it's at the tail end where it's like the before they they make the jump and Val comes chasing and it's like the uh, man. This is the dorkiest thing, but I don't care. I love Brink. Brink's Brink forever. Where on the intercom, it, I I think he's helping. He's just like control yourself and then there's this like strong sound wave wow 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 and it's just one of the best hype songs it's on disney plus go check it out it's at the <laughs> tail end just scroll to the end i did not realize how big of a brink fan you were love brink Johnny it was Tsunami. classic for sure and then we have um is that like a disney is that a disney channel original movie brink? oh absolutely like, is that like a t- made for tv movie Susie q um we've got uh brink johnny tsunami cetus Lapidus, uh, Xenon, the sequel. Uh, we got Xenon. Yeah, Halloween some, some classics there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but no, and then you got uh, what's her name, Gabby, who's like Bamu, Bamu, and, and right, let's stay let's stay focused here, sir. Let's I'm not, sorry, let's I'm not go down this 2000s Disney Channel rabbit 2000s? hole. 2000s? What? How Is that old? 90s? I'm That's saying 90s. I'm sir. Thinking, I was thinking oh 2000, 2001. Uh, you're no. probably right. That's probably 90s. 1998, um, sir. There you go. Oh, like I'm way off. It's two years before the 2000s. Put some respect on Eric Von Detten's name. Andy Brink Brinker. Yeah. Let's Don't do. change the subject with me, sir. Okay, <laughs> let's keep let's keep South Carolina Gamecocks. Florida Gators. Uh Florida number three rushing offense. Here's my thing about these two programs. Florida knows who they are. I think they know how they're gonna build. They know what they want to do. Their identity during the Billy Napier era is going to be running the football and playing good D. Like you're the way they're recruiting and what they're looking at with Florida, they want to be a run first team. They are going to establish their identity through the ground, pass when they have to, but they want to with Montreal Johnson and company. They want to run the ball right at you. They want to control. They're going to battle 
Kentucky, where <laughs> you're, we're going to watch Kentucky, Florida next year, and it's just going to look like two mirror images uh, of these two programs of what they're trying to accomplish and how they want to win uh, football games. South Carolina, I don't know what their identity is. And I know I'd make fun of South Carolina and just what they are at this point um, as a football program and where they were in year two and just uh, Josh Heupel sharing a co-coach of the year award with uh, Shane Beamer in 2021. They don't have an identity. You watch these games, like they got obviously toasted by Georgia at home and you watch them, their losses. And when they went, like they need a kick return or special teams thing to get them moving. One week it's Marshawn Lloyd has a great week. When they're on the road, Spencer Rattler, for whatever reason, is a better road quarterback than at home when you parse through his numbers. He's got nine picks, eight TDs. They're number 11 in rushing defense. I just, like, how many touchdown passes do you think Spencer Rattler threw in October, Matt Green? Well, I know he's got, what, eight on the year, so I'm going to say one. One. He threw one touchdown in October. It's not great. It's not great, and I just don't know what their identity is. Like, when you have the fire Marcus Satterfield stuff just popping up uh, in Gamecock country every week, I'm just – I think the vibes are just bad. I think they need to make some coordinator changes. I think they need to figure out this offseason what kind of program they want to be. Like, what do they want to be offensively? You can't just bring in a Spencer Rattler and be like, fix this, and not have an identity. When you watch these games, they just don't know who they are. They don't know what they want to do. Kentucky knows what they want to do. Um, I think you're seeing that with Alabama this year. They don't really know what to do because they don't have the guys out wide. They don't know what kind of identity they want to have. I don't think South Carolina has any idea. Florida absolutely does. They're going to run all over South Carolina. They're going to win and cover. All right. Put it on the board. The Gators keeping it moving. The Georgia Bulldogs, the battle of the Bulldogs. My brother's going to this game. Is he? Yeah, he's going with some buddies to uh, go watch this. What does kind of ha- what's the drive? What's does the- he have a fever? Oh, or I I know it. Because the only prescription is more cowbell. Oh my god! Um, oh god! That was a very current joke mm-hmm. there. Um, so Georgia goes on the road. I think it, I want to say it's like a five-hour drive. Like not like not too crazy. Because uh, I, I think someone was kind of like, hey, George fans, five hours away, fifty-dollar tickets or something. Like trying to, I guess, get people to make that track. Which I. That's probably I want to see every SEC stadium in my lifetime. Um, Vander- it's six hours for me, by the way. That's a that's a drive. Six man. hours, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely a drive. Um, I think Vanderbilt's the bottom of the list of the bucket list of the SEC venues. I want four and see. a half. It's not bad. Four and a half. Yeah, it's not bad. That's I doable. think Mississippi State is probably thirteenth on the list because those mm. damn cowbells make it hard to watch games on television. Honestly, it that place that it's just it's so loud all the time. So hopefully Georgia can uh can keep the crowd out of it, keep the cowbells out of it. But um, Georgia's a sixteen and a half point favorite in this one. And uh, I got some stats for you, sir. I think a lot of people remember um, Will Rogers playing against Georgia twenty twenty. Um, throwing for a bunch of yards, almost won that game in Athens. Will Rogers on the season this year, 26 touchdowns and five interceptions. Against SEC competition, he's thrown 11 touchdowns and two picks. Against Cupcakes, this man threw 15 touchdowns in three games. I think he padded his stats. I think Will Rogers is highly overrated 
He's got four games this year of 70% completion percentage. This guy's at, like, what, 67%, 68%? Four games this year of 70% or more. They were three cupcakes in Auburn. Like, those are the four, the four teams that he actually completed over 70% of his passes. And not like 70%, anything under 70 isn't good, but... If, if you're at 68, I think those games are kind of the 80% against Bowling Green and that sort of thing is kind of weighing, weighing the stats a little bit. So Georgia comes in with the number one pass defense, number two pass defense in the SEC, fifth, number 15 in the country. However, they have faced the number one pass defense last week with Tennessee. And other than that, they faced the ninth, 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th pass offenses in the SEC. So Georgia, until last week, the passing stats, the passing defensive stats looked really good. And now you've actually seen them play against a good uh, passing offense like Tennessee. They're obviously going to be on the road, and this, so that could make it a little more challenging. Um, but I think Tennessee, I think we can all agree that Tennessee is just a better offense. They're obviously not one-dimensional like Mississippi State is. So I don't really see Mississippi State giving Georgia that close of a game. Because I don't think they're going to be able to stop Georgia on when Georgia's got the football either. So give me Georgia. This feels like a, a 41, I don't know, 41-17 type of game. Like I think Georgia, like it could be a game for a couple quarters because I think Mississippi State's got some ability to make some plays in the passing game. But, man, it's hard. After seeing this this defense uh, go up against that Tennessee offense, I know that, that no Sanford Stadium did not – did not hurt Georgia's case at, at all facing that Tennessee offense, but it, it's hard to imagine uh, Mississippi State doing doing better against this defense than Tennessee did. So give me Georgia to win big. Wow. Um, I don't see this being a big win game. You know what's weird? Is they're the two chunk play gods. Uh, Georgia and Mississippi State are 1-2 in 10-plus yard pass plays, but not a lot outside of what we saw from Georgia against Tennessee where – they love to do the short pat, like the Lab McConkie stuff. Just Brock Bowers, twenty yards. Who, by the way, Brock Bowers? What would you guess his average yard per play when he is involved? Oh man, he's probably averaging like what, like twenty yards a carry or something, yeah. right? Twenty-two uh, yards every time Brock Bowers, on average, touches the football. It's pretty good. Twenty? No, that can't be right. That's what it says. Twenty-two. What's his What's his average yard per carry? I'm not talking about per carry. I'm saying like every time he just touches the ball when he has yeah. touched the ball. I'm saying is he averaging like 40 yards a carry. That's that would have to bring because he can't be averaging more than like 17, 18 yards a catch, right? Ah, uh, I think he is. Hold on, where is it? Um, Sorry to put CFB you on stats. the spot there. I know I had like it was on S, uh, CFP stats, and I'd have to now I got to go through and figure this out again. I did. I didn't have the link in front of me. Here Hold you on, go. I it's... got Georgia pulled up here. Um, so he's averaging sixteen point nine uh, per reception. But then you can then averaging with... twenty two yards a carry. See, so he can't be averaging twenty two yards a play. It's probably some mm. somewhere around eighteen, nineteen. But not to not to shit on your stat there, but. It's still it's still impressive what he's doing. Without I'm a never doubt. being nice about George ever. Again. This has just been an absolute nightmare of a minute. <laughs> Sorry and to half. fact check you, man. I mean, it's what it says on CFP stats. When I was sorting through the data, like I don't know what to. I I just hate that I don't have this hey, information because it's I not your you. fault. Uh, but either way, eighteen twenty-two. Regardless, he's a cheat code basically when he gets the ball. Like getting the ball to Brock Bowers is a net positive um, at the very least for Georgia, but. Miss, uh, Mississippi State is last in 40 plus yard plays. So Georgia is going to be able to keep everything in front of them. But I was looking at all of this. 
Mississippi State last in rushing in the SEC. Um, the two games that will decide how this goes for me. Stetson Bennett, in his two rough games this year, Florida and Jacksonville, not at home, in Columbia, his completion percentage, 50 and 55%. You look at what he did against Tennessee. You look at what he did in the other big games. The biggest difference is the completion percentage. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, if he did that at Columbia, I mean, there is a path where Mississippi State's defense is not bad. Like, Mississippi State's defense, I think, will get after him. I think Zach Arnett's done a really good job there. I think Stetson, after what he did last weekend, just the call me maybe after his touchdown run that he did, and just being at the highs of highs, this has all the makings of another letdown situation from Stetson where he's not a game manager. He is a gunslinger, and I think he's going to find himself in some trouble against the Bulldogs. I don't think he's going to complete 70% of his passes against mm. Mississippi State. I think you see a 57, 58, maybe 55% completion percentage from Stetson. I think he has a little bit of a, uh, a rough go of it with the Cowbells. I think Georgia wins, but I think Mississippi State covered. I think this is close in the fourth quarter. But do we see Mississippi State's uh, run de- slowing down the run in this game, though? I think so, yes. Like, even if Stetson struggles, it's just I feel like, fair enough, I, f- I feel like Georgia still probably moves the ball well. But I have an interesting stat here for mm. you. Mississippi State has five players with 38 to 36 receptions on the season. Which I just think is absolutely crazy. That's the whole stat. Their their leading receiver has 38 catches. Uh, then they got a guy with 37, and then three guys with 36 catches. So I mean, they got a they got a couple more with 25 and 24. So they're gonna just spread it around uh, to so many different players. Will Rogers has 439 attempts on the season. So I think um, Mississippi State's definitely gonna go go down slinging it. So we'll see if they can get if they get some big plays early, get the fans involved. I think that that changes this game completely. I think it's possible. Um, where are we going next? All right, keeping it moving, going out west coast. We got the Washington Huskies at the Oregon Ducks. Oregon is a thirteen and a half point favorite in this one. And now you're starting to hear the Bo Nix for Heisman whispers going out there. I think he's got like 13 rushing touchdowns on the season. Like, just having a great season. It's funny because I feel like the Heisman talk, the Heisman conversation is like the same as the playoff conversation. Like, so Hendon Hooker losing to Georgia, like that ended his Heisman campaign, right? It's over. But since Bo Nix lost Georgia week one, now he's back in the Heisman conversation. I, I, I don't get it. You're going to penalize one guy, but not penalize the other. It's kind of funny. But Oregon, number two uh, total offense in the entire country. Number three scoring offense in the entire country. Averaging 48 points a game since that week one loss to Georgia. I think Washington can score some points, but I just don't see them slowing down Oregon's offense at all. So give me the Ducks to win this one by two touchdowns. Cover the spread. We disagree. My upset of Mm. the weekend, Matt Green. Michael Penix. You mentioned the Heisman stuff, Bonex. Michael Penix is slinging it all year long. They had a longer 
uh, time away. They played on Friday night last week. I don't know if you remember. In the rain at home against the Beavs. They take care of business late. He has a 92-yard drive to get them into field goal range to close it out and get the victory over Oregon State. He goes to Oregon this weekend. Here's the thing. Oregon's number 11 in passing defense in the conference. You know you don't want to be number 11 against? The team that is the best passing offense, number one in the conference. Michael Penix is kind of like, people are like, oh, Bo Nix, Bo Nix. It's offensive. Michael <laughs> Penix has been doing this all year long. Uh, no eggs for Michael Penix, even in the loss to UCLA. Did no not eggs? struggle. No eggs. He doesn't eat eggs? No, no eggs. Is not that a, a thing? Uh, no, I'm just, uh, no, no eggs. Like, I thought you eggs. were referencing something like this is Will Levis, like with his way eats bananas or something yeah no i I thought there was some sort of story there never mind no no story the story is that u-dub number two in total defense they're averaging about five yards per play in wins and losses you look at it and you're like they're just consistent they're bend not break the pass defense is good oregon if they're susceptible anywhere it's through the air i think bo nix is gonna have to have a big time game to slow down what the Huskies are going to try and do. Kalen Dubor, Northwest legend, Fresno State and company. He's going to have this thing dialed up. I think this is the biggest game of the season for Michael Penix. Um, and I think he's going to be motivated um, because of all the Heisman stuff from uh, from Bo Nix uh, over the last few weeks. And that Oregon's just moving in the right direction. Dan Lanning popping in the Auburn head coaching rumors. No. This is where it ends. I think we already stomp out Oregon. Um, they don't keep this thing humming. And I think they get tripped up by the best quarterback in the Pac-12 this season. Put some respect on my guy, Michael Penix's name. I think this is my upset of the week. Give me the Huskies, Matt Green. So I think we see where this is really coming from. This is the wishful thinking right here. No, it's from not. From a Tennessee fan wants Oregon to get out of the picture. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down over there. I'm not worried about it. The more is like, I'd rather TCU go down. Like, I'm going to pick against TCU the next three weeks. But uh, Oregon's, uh, who, who's worried about Oregon? Well, you, you can't spell Penix without Knicks. All right. And that's, that's why I'm taking Bo Nix and Oregon Ducks. Wow. You like that? Uh, that's you're on a roll tonight. <laughs> you're really you're you're on a roll. You, uh, you cut me off the brink talk, and you're just over here, uh, dad joke after dad joke. When I can't <laughs> reminisce about soul skaters. Yeah, I think we gave you a solid couple of minutes of reminiscing. I had to keep this show back on track. I appreciate it. Where are we going um, next? Keeping it moving, and you took Washington. Um, keeping yes. it moving. We got Kansas State going on the road at. My Baylor Bears, sir, mm. and keep the train moving for the Baylor Bears. They have absolutely been torching teams on the ground. Three straight uh, wins, averaging, what is it, over 260 yards a game, written, written down somewhere here. Um, but, yeah, 260 yards a game, had a 150-yard rusher in each of the last three games, and it wasn't even the same guy. Uh Two different players have gone for 150. So this Baylor offense is, is really clicking. Kansas State on the at home this year, averaging 32 points a game. On the road, averaging just 24. They got to go on the road here. And uh, I see the Baylor Bears getting it done. And they're the, in their first of their three-game gauntlet to finish the season. 
and potentially getting the Big 12 championship, I'm taking the Baylor Bears to win and cover. Two and a half, by the way. Mm. This is going to be close and ugly. I don't encourage those with the uh, the hopes of having a fun-filled Saturday. Don't spend too much time staring at your TV. This is going to be a lot of running the football at each other uh, in this one. But the difference, I trust Blake Shapin more than I do Adrian Martinez at this point. Pains me to say it. Are we sure Will Howard should not be the Kansas State quarterback? We uh, are absolutely not sure of that. And I'm, I'm not sure that we don't see him in this game, honestly. If I knew how much he was playing, it might it might change my pick, honestly. Kansas State last in passing offense in the Big 12. Baylor number three in rushing defense. I was going through Shapin's numbers. He's better against um, bigger competition, which is important here, where Shapin's been kind of hit or miss, but by and large has stepped up in bigger games. At home, it's a tougher place to play in Waco. I think this is not going to go the way of Oklahoma State and Kansas State a few weeks prior. I think Baylor wins, and you said it's two and a half? Yep. Yeah, Baylor wins and covers, but I could see this being like a three to six point game. I think this will be close. But I, I don't trust Adrian Martinez in this passing offense. I don't think they're going to be able to score enough. Baylor's a little bit more well-rounded as they charge. I think they're going to make a serious Big 12 title game push uh, down the stretch here. So give me the Baylor Bears to win and cover. I don't know if there's room on the bandwagon for No bandwagon. You, we'll, no. Uh, we'll see if, I'll see if I can save you a spot. I know Texas is the best team in the Big 12. There's no bandwagon. Like, Texas see, if, is the best uh, see if Chip and Joanna Gaines will, uh, will save you a seat on the bandwagon. Do you and Tori watch that? Um, I mean, I've seen it. Like, it's not like a, it's not like a thing I commonly watch. But what's the I'll, one I'll thing that she HGT. makes you watch that you would not have watched without Tori? Oh, definitely Bravo shows. Mm. The, the whatever the the Southern Charm. Mm-hmm. Um, s- Real Housewives. Summer House. No, not Real no. Housewife. Um, is what is that? Oh, the. The yacht one, uh, below deck, Mediterranean. She watched that one for a little bit. I don't know. It's like a, it's like people rent a yacht on the Mediterranean, and you see like awesome like shots of like just scenery and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's just like young people that are like essentially like waiting on like super wealthy people, but like they're young and attractive, so they like hook up, and it's like drama and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, you're into so it. The way you those, describe it, you're into honestly, it. Honestly, that one we haven't watched in a long time. But um, yeah, th- those Bravo shows, that's what I said. I wouldn't watch those if it wasn't for her, but they could be interesting. I like it. T- oh. I'm telling you, Tori and uh, uh, Sports Renaissance Women Samantha, they would have a ball with the what they watch. I remember at brunch, they were connecting on all the same kind of stuff. They, there they, you go. What, what would we do without our significant others, Mac? <laughs> no idea. Um, but keeping it moving, North Carolina going on the road at Wake Forest. Demon Deacons, three and a half point favorite in this one over the 15th ranked Tar Heels. This was and the toughest game for me to pick this week. I agree. I think I just have no idea what to expect from either of these teams. Um, but one of these teams has Drake May and... <laughs> Your your man crush is Sam Hartman. I think my man crush is becoming Drake May. This guy is just hold on. Sam Hartman's not up. my man crush. It's our our women's man. No, crush. it's. I think it's all you. I think if that's made clear, it's all you. <laughs> uh, but Drake May, I've I heard some Heisman whispers for Drake May. I'm I'm here for it because he's just. No one's really talking about North Carolina after the early loss uh, this season, but I think uh, I think he might be the one of the best quarterbacks in college football this year. So. 
I think I like uh, where this North Carolina offense is. I don't know what the defense is going to give us week in and week out, but give me give me the Tar Heels to win a shootout. <sighs> Interesting. I did not know you were going to go this way. You know who else is not getting any respect is UNC. One loss and probably the ACC favorite. And they're what, 14th in the playoff committee rankings? What were they? Something I think like 15th, if this is right, right here. Yeah, that's wild. I would have guessed they would be higher up because I actually think there's a little bit of spice there. Here's a take. Yeah, Penn State, Utah, both two lost teams that are ahead of them. Here's a take. I think UNC would play. Uh, I would, here's some, uh, the take is, I would rather watch UNC Georgia than UNC a lot of these other, or Georgia versus a lot of these other teams. I think UNC Georgia mm. could be fun. I mean, I think Georgia's hanging 50 on them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They keep scoring, and I, I don't know. I think that could be a fun back-and-forth game. Maybe. Ohio State, I would, like would to be... see, I would like to see North Carolina-Clemson. I think North Carolina could beat Clemson. I think so, too. I would think that's... I think they would actually maybe blow them out. Um, you would mm, see, though... Not take. I just... The offense, Drake May, they're cooking. They know who they are. This is working. Um, they're number three, uh, number 120 though, in pass defense, like the UNC pass defense stinks. I don't know what Dre Bly is doing back there, but he's got to get it together. We got to get our guy, Drake Bly, Dre Bly to figure this out because it's just not good. Um, Wake though, 88 in defensive QB rating. So they're just, uh, they're not doing much better. Obviously DJU had a really good game against them at Wake a few weeks back. UNC though, is just more explosive. They, they have the big plays when you look at how they score a lot of huge plays, they're a big play team. Rely on the big play. Sam Hartman and company is little stuff. They dink in dunky to death um, in the claw fence is what they call it over there in, uh, in, in Wake country. Last year, 55-58 loss for Wake, but they beat North Carolina in 2019 in a low-scoring game. We'll know how this game's going based on how what the score is in the fourth quarter. If this is 22-19, Wake's winning this game. Basically, when you go back through the history of this rivalry, Whenever it's like 40-plus, 50-plus, UNC's winning the back-and-forth shootouts. And that's just not the game that you that Wake wants to get into with this kind of high-powered offense. That being said, Wake at home. Give me the Demon Deacons. I'm not going against my guy, Sam Hartman. I'm not falling <laughs> for the true freshman on the road in Wake country. This is, uh, this is a big win. They bounce back. They stop the bleeding on this schedule for Wake Forest. Uh, give me Wake Forest to win and cover. Yeah, they uh, they need it. Um, keeping it moving, our last one of the game, or last one of the week, Florida State at Syracuse, and the Orange are a six-and-a-half-point home dog. And I haven't done it today, so... You know what? I think I think Zeus is gonna sit out this week. No, you can't I, do that. No, nope, I don't. Nope, I don't nope, like nope. any of the home dogs. You got. He can't sit out. I mean, out. I took I took Ole Miss to cover. I didn't take him to win. Does that no. count? Nope. Nope. I just don't like Syracuse. I uh, I this is the best opportunity for a home dog. But wake Zeus's ass up and just ask him to pick which one he wants. Like, just let's go. Get him up, man. Do the thing. Do a video where you put the two next to each other. Like, put uh, the logos right next to each other and, and put some treats on both and see which way he goes. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Zeus Zeus will peruse the rest of the <laughs> uh, the sheet, uh, the rest the rest of the slate, and see if he can give the people. Uh, I can't believe you're copping out. Dog. Zeus finally over five hundred, and he's just wanted to sit on the win. What is this? <laughs> It's a tough slate here. We could count Ole Miss. I'm going to count Ole Miss because he did. I, I, what a coward. That is a, is a home dog, but I don't know. 
No, we're not going with we're not going with the home dog of the week this week. No, we're, you're we're not. Set, no, when do we agree on that? Out. What does that name say? It says the Chase Thomas Podcast, Matt Green. And as the executive director of this very program, I won't stand for it. I won't besmirch okay. the nature of the full ride here. Not doing it. He has to make we'll a pick. Check, we'll check the socials. We'll get it. We'll 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 write, look at the rest of the slate. We'll give the people a home dog. But it is not going to be this one. It's not going to be Florida State Syracuse. I wanted Don't you to do dare it. do Mizzou. Or I guess never mind. I wanted to do. I wanted to pick Syracuse for the home dog of the week purposes. But I feel like Florida State's coming along at the right time, and Syracuse is just not. They just feel like they're in free fall right now. Like since the uh, the. The uh, what is the what am I late hit out of bounds struggling mm. over there? The late hit out of bounds is it's turning into like the the Dan Mullen the throw the Florida throw your shoe game the Marco mm. Wilson. It's like ever since that play just changed the entire pro Florida program. Ever since that late hit out of bounds call against Clemson, Syracuse's team has just not been the same. They have they just fell apart the rest of that Clemson game. They've now lost three straight. You're seeing this Florida State offense, granted it's a bad Georgia Tech and a bad Miami team, dropping 40 back-to-back weeks. I uh, I like them to go into the Carrier Dome and uh, get another win. So give me the Nulls to go on the road to win and cover. Woo! We agree here, Matt Green. Florida State's offense, they put a billion on Miami a week ago. And not a home game. Benson and Travis have this thing humming. It's the it's an issue for the Syracuse team where I don't the offense doesn't look hundred percent right. Tucker has not been a big factor of late. Like you said, Syracuse is fading. They're one and two against ranked teams. Florida State now in the top twenty five. They're five and one though at home. So even with the slide, a lot of them have been on the road. Q's five and one, their only home loss being a Notre Dame team that also just blew out uh Clemson. So um it's it's gonna be tough um 26 percent third down percentage for syracuse and losses 45 percent when they win so it's gonna be imperative for them to convert and stay on the field against a high-powered florida state offense with um with jordan travis and company is there a chance that florida state wins out now with florida on the schedule too who else who's their remaining other game um they have you uh louisiana in there in between yeah, they might win out these last three. And what would that put them at if they win these last three? That'd put them at nine and three. That's a pretty, pretty good year uh, for the Nolds. That's nine and three. Maybe go to the, I don't know, where would that put you in the, I would have said the Peach Bowl a few years back, but that's not necessarily an Orange Bowl bid, maybe a Gator Bowl bid. I don't know. What, what, are, you, what are you getting out of that in the ACC? A Belk Bowl? The Belk Bowl in Charlotte, yeah. Um, so give me the Nolds to win and cover. Good Good spot for, for Florida State here down the stretch, finishing 9-3, if they can pull it off. Yeah, I think that'd be real big. So, um, yeah, that is our slate, sir. There you go. Tennessee, 20-point favorites at home uh, this weekend for senior day, I think. They cover. I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Hypo strikes me as someone. He's been, he's like kept receipts on certain things. Um, so, and I think players have kept receipts on what certain programs have said about Tennessee. Like they definitely kept like the real offense stuff, real football comments from Kentucky about uh, Tennessee. They definitely locked that away. I think they've kept up with what Eli Drinkwitz has said both this week and last year about getting some wins back because of uh, some, some fines or whatever from the NCAA. I think it's going to get ugly. I think Tennessee beats them by, 
a very very healthy margin. I think it's an absolute. What was this score last year? That was Gino the Tion Evans show. That was like what fifty five, like fifty spot, right? Yeah, they they absolutely blew out uh, Mizzou on the road. It was something like that. Uh, I think it was fifty five. Was it fifty five twenty sixty two twenty four? Oh wow! I almost said fifty two twenty four. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they'll. I think they should take care of business in that one. There you go. Also kind of weird though. They're ending the season two games on the road. Don't love that. But hold on, I'm uh, I'm getting something <laughs> here. Uh huh. A message. Zeus is letting me know. <laughs> Home dog of the week. Uh-huh. Oklahoma Sooners. Uh huh. Going on the road. Morgantown, West Virginia. Oh no. Mountaineers are an eight-point dog. This sounds like Matt Green home. to me. This doesn't sound like Zeus. Zeus wouldn't do this. This take, sounds like a Matt take Green. Take West Virginia minus or plus eight. There, that's the home dog of the week. Before Zeus just uh, just buzzed me in. He wanted me to to get that in. Uh, not on our pick'em, but yeah, West Virginia. That's the home dog of the week. Mountaineers. You don't just you don't just go into Morgantown. The Horn Frogs. Horn Frogs are a quality team. They went into Morgantown. Oklahoma is flawed. Morgantown's going to eat them up. I'm telling you right now. We got to get you to Morgantown. Have you been to a game there? Never been. Never you been. You talk about it like it's just uh, heaven on earth. We got to get you over there. It looks like a rowdy environment. Mm-hmm. Khaleesi. Khaleesi Dog is obviously a part of the program. Do you buy that that came from Zeus, or does that sound suspiciously very close to what Matt Green would want to do if he could do that? I don't know. Please Although I remember years ago, it was like it was like a huge deal, a huge night game. It was the worst uniform combo ever, worst worst uh, coordinated uniform ever. When LSU played at West Virginia, mm-hmm. and they do a yellow out, and mm-hmm. LSU's over here wearing yellow helmets and yellow pants, and like it looks like they're in a home game. So that was that was a flaw. Should have been a navy out versus LSU, but that was what like that was years ago. I'm talking about something that happened like a decade ago. But West Virginia Mountaineers versus Oklahoma Sooners. Take that. Take it to the bank. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, Matt Green, that is all I've got, my friend. Uh, you enjoy the rest of your week and your football watching weekend. Um, should hopefully be a fun fun weekend of college football once again as we inch closer and closer uh, to the end of the college football regular season. Yeah, I've never understood uh, all these Georgia fans that have just been complaining about not getting night games all season because waiting around till 7 o'clock for your team to play, it's just uh, it's a long time. That 3.30 slot is the prime slot. You feel it, it just it's right there in the middle of the day. It ends. You still, I feel like you still got some of the day left when the, when the game's over. Like this, this Georgia-Mississippi State game is going to end at like 11 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, Will Rogers has 85 pass attempts. Yeah, it's going to be a late one for you guys. <laughs> I also just, yeah, I, we're at noon, and I, I think next week the South Carolina game's at night, so um, Tennessee will be at that 7 o'clock. We'll be in the spot you're in this week, next week. And then Vanderbilt, I'm going to go ahead and guess. Yeah, Georgia-Kentucky, 3.30, CBS next week in the uh, in the, the, Kroger, the Kroger Field. We'll see mm-hmm. what happens. Matt Green, always a pleasure, and I will talk to you next week. Sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.